South African media is in an appalling state. Figures released in February point to a shocking and probably irreversible decline of newspaper titles, facts that the response to the pandemic and its consequences only partially explain. The rest is more nuanced, but no less terrifying. What Iqbal survey hasn't already destroyed is adopting the same bad habits that have obliterated trust in the U.S. and U.K. corporate media. To discuss this with me is Sharon Salomon, editor of media startup newsy.co.za, a welcome addition into a landscape suffering a chronic shortage of independent thought. Sharon, perhaps we could start by what prompted you to establish Newsy and, and what you're hoping to achieve. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I, I started writing many years ago. I've always been acutely aware of, of bias in the media, especially anti-Semitism. And, and so I started writing my own blog called Pen Blazing. And through that started becoming a guest on various podcasts here and there in the United States. And it's, it grew from there. So a group of people had this idea of let's do an independent news source somewhere where there is not there's thought leadership and a real open debate a, a place to speak freely because as as we all know it's unbelievable to say we cannot speak freely even online so um, I was approached to fill the position and and take the baby in and make a child out of it <laughs> so we started it's around in September um, as we were just starting getting going, it was just in time for the U.S. elections. So from a censorship perspective, that was a fascinating journey and, and a bit of a struggle. Um, but we continue. It's a, it's a small group. It's independent. Um, and we'll keep growing from there. So we're having this discussion in the wake of two major international media controversies. Um, the first being the uh, Russian bounty story, um, the, uh, the claim that Vladimir Putin was um, offering the Taliban bounties for the heads of American soldiers in Afghanistan, which was revealed to be um, a steaming pile of horseshit. And then secondly, the idea that, uh, that uh, Brian Sicknick, one of the police officers who attended the Capitol, uh, to who attended Capitol Hill on the 6th of January was bludgeoned to death by a fire hydrant, which has also now been, um, uh, uh, discredited as, as, as false. Now, both of these stories were, um, syndicated to the main South African media titles and they found their, they ran their course. Um, do you not think it's part, the editor uh, at this point needs to intervene and, and, and come out and say, well, you know, look, we've, we syndicate because we can't afford to have journalists in America. We syndicate information from Al Jazeera, but we are um, satisfied now that this is bullshit. We apologize. Do you not think that is a reasonable response given how, how far these stories have, have gotten into public consciousness? It is, it's not a reasonable response. It is absolutely necessary. It is absolutely crucial. Um, it doesn't happen. Most mistakes or fabrications that are printed here and there, you'll see a one liner that says this and that has now been corrected, but it's a one liner. There, there is no, 
and that's the accountability. There is no real sense of responsibility. Um, but we are in a situation where any, any news that's bait, anything that brings the readers far outweighs the truth. The truth doesn't really matter anymore. If I can say it as simply as that, it's, it is much more about the movement, about the signaling of how virtuous we are as a society, rather than telling the truth and coming out and actually taking accountability. The, the, the concern of looking bad or being bad or whatever it is people worry about, even on a personal level, so outweighs um, doing the right thing and just being a good person <laughs> that sure. that doesn't come into play. It's, it's absolutely crucial. There, there is no journalism without it. There is no information without it, without more than writing the wrongs. I mean, we've had the story that went on and on and on about how Israel is refusing to give Palestinians the vaccine. This story has gone all over the world in every which way, in every shape and form. And it's been very clearly shown to be entirely untrue, um, without context. And um, there isn't there isn't just no correction. It isn't mentioned. It's just ignored and time goes on and they move on to the next thing. So they say one thing. Everyone goes, okay, no, but here. And then it's... Mm. And they move on to the next thing. And that for me is quite terrifying. That's, that is a society that exists. It is insane. And, and, and for me, the, the definition of insane that I'm using here is the inability to see reality in front of you as it is. There's the reality. I'm looking at it. I can't decipher what it is. That is insane. So we're building an insane society living inside lies. So it's, it's paramount. It's, it's absolutely necessary. You know, one of the things that I'm frequently accused of, of being, um, uh, I am frequently accused of, of, of being the sort of reactionary right wing pro Trump, pro Brexit. And I always find it amusing considering that 95% of the information that I source comes from, um, media that is overtly sympathetic to the working class left. And I'm talking about Glenn Greenwald. Uh, Michael Tracy, um, Anna Cation. And I, whilst I have sort of the fundamental disagreements on Israel, on, um, you know, social pathologies such as Black Lives Matter, um, what I'm seeing is this unusual relationship forming between, uh, you know, that sort of independent media that you could classify as being on the left and the media that is dismissed as being right-wing, such as Fox News or here in London, The Spectator, or uh, in Australia, Sky News Australia. And what it reveals to me, and I'm not sure if you see this, is that the media today is often considered, like CNN, or MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, is often considered left-wing. It's not left-wing. It's woke. It's gone. And there is a fundamental difference between the two. It's taken its own passage, and it's abandoned um, uh, both these these views, and it's gone on a sort of ahistorical uh, cancellation process. Uh, do you see that that happening? I mean, I see, for example, uh, Glenn Greenwald and uh, Aaron Mate from the pushback appearing on Tucker Carlson's show on on uh, Fox News, and that is a very unusual place for these guys to be. It's not their natural home, but we're talking to each other. You know, these 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 groups that have been abandoned. Have, have, and, and we want completely different things, but at least we're talking to each other. Yes, 
it's exactly that. There's a, there's a place for conversation. There is a respectful conversation happening, an exchange of information. I, I don't know how much more to, it almost sounds, I, I feel silly saying, yes, they're talking because what else should we be doing? Of course we must be talking. But this, this movement of what we're calling the left, it's not what you're talking about, classic. It's not like a liberal is somebody who is literally for liberty. So, so liberals today, the word's been distorted and I'm not sure anyone can even define what right wing means today because I mean, I've been accused of being a Nazi. <laughs> I'm the child of Auschwitz survivors. I'm not a Nazi. So it's, it's insane. I don't think that they understand what the definitions are because words have become meaningless. So, so the, the, this woke thing. This movement of wokeness is a, a societal state of perpetual victimhood is, is all it is to me. Cause it's, it's bands together with all the evil people because the very first thing they all want is to tear down society, tear down the man, tear down the businesses, tear down capitalism without understanding anything about e economics or free markets. I'm not talking about minimum wage and stuff that needs to be discussed. We're not talking about that. We're talking about they want to tear down the system. And saying that is is considered virtuous. And the truth is, is um, considered something that an elite few know. And it's their job to educate everybody else about what the truth is. So... You, immediately you've got a situation where there is no stake in the ground to what is the truth. It's a society based on, but we must be kind. So your truth is fine and my truth is fine and everyone's truth is fine. I think where it begins is from a good place, um, where it begins to, to, the idea of progressiveness, the idea of progressing is supposed to be that, to progress. And it began in the right place somewhere, but the pendulum has gone right to as far as it can go. I think, I think we're way past the point where the train will crash because that society exists in a lie. It exists in, I am a victim. I need to destroy the people that have made me this victim. And until I destroy them, I don't have justice for myself. Mm. Mm. That's, yeah. Um, you know, uh, when I was, um, 16 years old, I interned at the Cape Times for, for a week in 1994. And it's probably one of my happiest memories of, of childhood because, well, it's not, you know, as a teenager, because, um, you know, it was your classic sort of newsroom. You had these guys in perpetual states of agitation and they were unionized and blue fingered. And, and the reason why I think that they were so jumpy is because, um, you know, it, it kind of, if they fucked up, it wasn't as if they, they, they could lose their jobs. I wouldn't know, but, but probably because they wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Okay. And I went to, uh, the high court with the court reporter to watch the, uh, trial of the Heidelberg, um, uh, tavern, uh, bombing the, the suspects. And at no point did I ever see any sort of the kind of editorializing that, that you find from Sifo Kings at uh, Mail and Guardian or Adrian Basson at uh, News 24. And, you know, when I look at kind of regression, uh, 1994 was the era when J uh, Jacques Power and um, uh, Max Dupree were producing some of the finest investigative reporting 
Um, I still regard uh, Jacques Powers not taking anything away from my, the president's keepers, which I thought was part of it were excellent. But um, he produced uh, one of the most important pieces of political documentary on um, this Ferdy Barnard and a guy called Corey Gerson. And these guys were were bad, bad guys. OK, uh, and that would, you know, when he got um, uh, Ferdy Barnard to confess uh, outside a bar in Melville and Johannesburg um, about how he had attempted to kill the former ANC MP Dalla Omar. And that was really, really amazing. Now, okay, in 2021, Jacques Pau is arrested at uh, the waterfront for getting smashed uh, with a young girl from Angola wearing a shiny dress. And Max Dupree is putting stuff on his Facebook page about 27 genders. You, you, you see the regression. It's the South African media has, has, there's been a slide, unquestionably. Unquestionably. Uh, it's, it's a global slide. And I think South Africa tends to um, sort of go along behind what the trend is, um, especially the trend in the United States. So we're seeing more and more of the Black Lives Matter movement coming on, you know, get it being online. You're seeing more of it in articles. Um, after the shooting last week of the former rugby player, Mieni, um, terrible tragedy in, in Hawaii, there's more and more of a Black Lives Matter. It's time for black people to have dignity. And, and it's a very dangerous, I mean, it's, it's interesting that it's, it's the same slip down that slope. We're right at the bottom of that slope in the media all over the world. It's the same victimhood in South Africa and in the United States. The Black Lives Matter, the kneeling, the soccer, the, there was a kneeling at the anthem here. What for? No, it happens. It's, the, the, rugby play, the, the rugby team, the English rugby team do it now. So it's without, you know, most people, they jump on this bandwagon um, because they're good people thinking that they are doing something virtuous and fighting for the good, fighting for the underprivileged, and it's nonsense. But there's no sense, I think there's a self-esteem issue in society in general. I don't trust what my own eyes tell me, and I can't decipher. There's no responsibility, which literally means ability to respond. So they don't see things and make up their own minds. They jump in the movement. There is such a fear of being ostracized from the movement that they just go along with something that's entirely evil without questioning it. So yeah. we see them sort of copying what happens in the United States is happening here, even though white people are like 8% of the country, perhaps probably less by now, but officially 8 point something percent of the country. And there isn't that same, you know, the minorities fighting for their rights. So here in South Africa, we've got genuinely impoverished, victimized, disenfranchised people who've been thoroughly abused by the ANC, who have failed them on every single level possible. Um, I'm not saying apartheid has not had its, its you know, remaining trauma and what that's, that's not what I'm saying at all. Of course. I'm saying that since, I mean, there are fully-fledged adults who were born after apartheid who are in that, you know, the, the ANC has failed miserably on every level. There's nothing that they've brought that's good. Now, after apartheid. And so you have genuine victims here. And in the United States, you've got people screaming victimhood, screaming, literally screaming into cameras, victimhood, but they're not actually victims. So all that's required for this downslide is the belief that you're a victim, whether it's 
true or not doesn't matter. It's just the sense that somebody owes me something because they did bad things to me. And then the downward spiral happens and the media bands together with it. They, they perpetuate. It's almost like there's a purpose for perpetuating it and creating that chaos. Um, that's an interesting point because when you say that, you know, the ANC and it, and it has failed, um, you know, I used to work with them in when, when, um, uh, when I had a renewable energy firm. Um, and you know, there, there is good, good things that I saw. Um, I don't know if they're still in existence, but, uh, the parallel between the, 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 the responsibilities they've abandoned and Black Lives Matter are startling. Black Lives Matter was established eight years ago in 2013 on the, basis and this was a noble basis and it goes back to your point earlier about how things start well and and get um uh, violated along the way and black lives matter was essentially an education program for young black men um in uh, deprived neighborhoods to be on the lookout for um and to watch themselves and their conduct in 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 in, in terms of interacting with the law enforcement apparatus and um, in that time, they've raised over a billion dollars. Okay. And, uh, I, 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 I've asked and I've tried to look. Um, but it appears that they've not done anything with that. They have literally sat on that money or it's gone somewhere. Not a single school, not a single road, not a single community center, not, not anything has been done. And the only thing that I, I can gather, and I'm not sure if you have any information, the only, Substantial donation that, that, that I have noticed uh, went to the Democrats last year for the presidential election. So that's what Black Lives Matter is. I was in California in uh, February and in a, a really nice area of Southern California, I met these two volunteers um, who quit their jobs to campaign for Black Lives Matter, had been abandoned and were now hungry. You had two young black girls who'd quit their jobs because they believed in, 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 in this, in this activism and had now been completely abandoned. But, you know, you won't find that in South African media. You won't find someone going, actually, I'm from Business Insider. I must go and look at the audit trail of the spending of this uh, organization so as to see its efficiency, so as to see how it's appropriating this substantial fundraising. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, one of the leaders, Patrice, she bought that $1.4 million house recently. <laughs> That's quite a house. In a quite white a neighborhood, in a white neighborhood, which, which enjoys support from the police. Yeah, exactly. So I think, the, you know, it starts in a good place to say, hey, I matter. But the big mistake with that is that that is an unnecessary. It's of course we matter. That's not the issue here. So, so. In order to jump on Black Lives Matter, some part of the, the you has to believe that it that Black Lives don't matter for mm. you to be screaming the opposite. Yeah, because to me it's so it's so obvious that it's it almost when I first heard it years ago the the phrase the name when I didn't even know what it was yet back in the beginning it went in one ear and out the other because it was of course life yeah. life is life but to jump on that. You either have to condescendingly believe that black lives don't really matter that much, so I need to make sure they matter, or you have to hold the belief that everybody else doesn't believe that black people matter. So it's all bad. It all starts from a terrible basis. Um, 
<laughs> because it comes from we don't matter. It comes from the actual belief that black people don't matter. So it, it, it has to go wrong. And revolutionaries, we've seen time and time again, especially in Africa, never make good leaders because they have to operate on the basis of the victimhood. Yeah. Often, real victimhood. We're not. I'm not taking that away. But they, the the entire energy, the consensus consciousness of the entire group, is based on taking what's mine and doing away with the bad guy. While that has its positive thing, if it's not done with genuine virtue, like a Mandela or a, you know, very 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 few human beings do it with genuine virtue for the good who are able to see themselves as not a victim, even when they are victims. Um, amazing examples of this are many people who, you know, writers after the Holocaust, how did they survive? Your Victor Frankl. Yeah, Frankl yeah. How did they survive without that soul destroying society, destroying sense of victimhood? It's, mm. It's in the self-esteem and the belief system. And if culturally we keep saying, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, we, we have people who, are, who don't even know what oppression is in the United States, genuinely believing that they are oppressed. There's yeah. genuine belief of it. So it, it can't, it has to snap and crack somewhere, one way or the other. So a lot of the South African media in South Africa, they do follow all those trends, um, and it's very, very dangerous. I'm very worried about what I'm seeing. So if you couple this, sent, this prevailing sentiment and you see, and, 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 and my experience um, in, 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 in journalism, brief experience, um, and, and how I came to see it, um, you know what I see? I, I look, the fact is that there's a certain profile for today's write-on journalist, and that is you have to have a blue tick on Twitter, you have to uh, subscribe to Black Lives Matter, um, uh, the obsession with Black Lives Matter. You have to support Greta Thunberg. And um, then you kind of, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but, but what I understand, what I'm seeing is that they think that that is the sort of moral framework that uh, uh, enables them as a good person. So if they screw up or if they, um, cast aspersions and misrepresentations. Um, it doesn't actually matter because, you know, I support the right things. Um, I, I kind of believe in, 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 in the today's zeitgeist. Um, that's, that's, that's the way I see it because these guys have got no shame. They, they've got no shame. I work in investment and if I fuck up and I rip, misrepresent a deal that's gone south to my partners, I get hounded out the city. Like there's no, I lose all my accreditation from the FCC. There's no second chances there, but with these guys and their editors, there seems to be this sort of thing. Well, as long as I'm a good person and I call out people who I perceive to be Nazis on the internet, then, you know, it doesn't matter if I've just misrepresented something according to my own uh, personal feelings. You know, I, 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 I certainly get that sense in, in, in the writing and in the public appearance of these guys. 100%. Because the because it it feeds itself, it's like a like an ingrown toenail. This is the first picture that came to my mind when you said it, it feeds itself. Because the the words and the truth has been cheapened to such a degree that if you throw around the word Nazi, such a great example, it's thrown around all over the place. Everybody's a Nazi. 
Trump's a Nazi, this one's a Nazi, that one's a Nazi, I was a Nazi, everyone's <laughs> a Nazi, then it, it, it cheapens it to such a degree that people don't understand what Nazis actually are. People don't mm. know what fascists are. Yeah. They, I know, my grandparents certainly knew. Yeah. My parents know. We, we know what a fascist actually is. Mm. And so, so when people start throwing around the word fascist, everyone's a fascist. Anyone mm. they just don't like. Yeah. Maybe he's a fascist. This one's a fascist. But fascism, it is pure, genuine evil. And it's, it, now it's cheapened. So people, especially the young people who grow up today, having absolutely no idea about anything of oppression. This is one of the things that happens in a fully free society when the education is not up to scratch. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, but it, it lends itself to such a cheapening that, that everything goes. So words, there, there's no meaning attached to words anymore. Words matter. Mm. Words matter. And in journalism, words matter. What you say matters. Yeah. So it no longer matters. And if anyone's a Nazi, then my neighbor who I don't like is also a Nazi. I can go beat him up. Yeah. You know, so it's, and then it lends itself to that. Yeah. If you're evil, I can beat you up and you have societies in a first world, the, what was the freest country in the world, <laughs> yeah. beating people up on the streets for, for what they even think might be an opinion they don't like. They don't even know what the opinion is necessarily because we can't converse. There's yeah. no sense of conversation because what has actually happened to me, what I think and, and why this language thing has become, is, is that this is a slow war. It's a slow war that began when Trump was beginning to run. This is actually war, which is why election fraud can happen so easily in my mind. It's why people can be just beaten up on the streets. It's why you have an Antifa group of thugs, white men in black masks, beating up, trying to shout at Candace Owens for being a white supremacist. <laughs> it's, it's so absurd that it's almost funny, but it's not funny because the good reasonable people look at this and dismiss it. And that's what we've done wrong. We can't dismiss the crazy anymore because, and that's one of the things in the free society and free media that has lent itself to its demise. Mm. The assumption that freedom and education and a good life will just have people be good people. This is not true. It's simply not true. If you allow, you know, if, if you go to a refugee camp and hand out roses, you're not going to fix the sexual assault problem that happened. Which was being committed by the do-gooders yeah. in the Oxfam. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So it's not every, and you know, and I've often been accused, oh, but it's not everyone. And it's not all Muslim refugees. And I'm, did somebody tell you that it's all Muslim refugees? Who said that? Nobody said that. I'm saying there's a genuine problem. It needs to be looked at and fixed. And, and actually it's a disservice to all the, the very brave Muslim people standing up and trying to create reform and bring these things to the forward. Then all the people who have no idea stand there and go, shh, racist. Mm. These are the people in it. They, mm. You know, so. It's, it is absurd. Language has become meaningless because of this slow war. And that's attacks in the media or attacks on people are just automatic because right. it is a war. People don't even know they're in a slow war. The, the attacks are so, um, mm. extreme. The, the kind of, of, of emails or comments that I've gotten from people who were previously friends in the United States or, or people I knew or acquaintances is mind boggling to me. I can't, I can't reach just a little bit of the conversation to say, okay, tell me 
what is making you angry with me? Like, what, what's happened here? You support Trump. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to like him. It's not about, you don't have to have lunch with the guy. I'm just talking policy. But the, the extremity of the hatred and the cancellation and the swearing, and it's, it's frankly bizarre, but it's, it needs to collapse on itself. Mm. It's kind of too late for that one. You know, that's interesting. Um, I, you know, on the subject of these journalists with their fucking blue marks on their Twitter feeds, um, I mean, if anything discredits anyone, it's, it's that, but, but you know, what I've, I've seen, um, is that you talk about this phenomenon, cancel culture, and it's happened to friends of mine. Um, David Starkey, who is a British historian, was unceremoniously cancelled for a emphatic remark that he made on a podcast last year. Um, but the people, and, and, and I watched that as a sort of a petri dish because I, 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 I kind of understood it, but I wanted to get a, a deeper understanding. And, and because I, I'm, I'm friends with this guy, I could see what he was going through. I helped him find a lawyer. There's a wonderful um, uh, uh, lawyer in London, a guy who, who fights anti-Semitism probably in the most effective way called Mark Lewis. Um, and he came uh, in with me to, to help. But, but one of the things that I saw um, – was that it's the journalists that are doing the cancelling. It's not a bunch of hillbillies in Appalachian or a bunch of football guys in the north of England that are going, don't disrespect me, uh, uh, you must be r- removed. It's the journalists that are going, um, we found people that we consider to be right-wing or Nazis. So they go to big tech and go, cancel their accounts immediately. That's where I see this, 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 this sort of, um, you know, where, where the acceleration is coming from is actual journalists themselves. They don't want, and maybe they're doing it because they don't want competition or maybe they're doing it because they're just so fucked up beyond this woke thing now that it's, it's, it's literally, um, you know, that they, they, they cannot be saved. Yes. hundred percent. You have to be very highly educated to have any nonsense thoughts that there are infinite genders. Nobody thinks like that. You have to have been educated to believe such a thing. So it's always the very educated, awake people. Um, I remember writing an article. Uh, it was it was something to do along the cheapening of how evil it is to cheapen the word Nazis and to. It was about. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's reference as concentration camps at the border and my disgust at that. So I wrote about that um, and I got so many comments and messages about it's not that it's actual concentration camps. It's that she's trying to awaken people, which is exactly what woke is, right? To be awake to whatever it is we're missing. The rest of us are sleepwalking apparently. But the, that's the problem in itself. If something is terrible in its own right, it's terrible in its own right. Mm-hmm. You don't need some insane, disgusting metaphor to steal from another horrific tragedy mm-hmm. to make your case. Just make your case. Mm-hmm. Just show the, show the pictures. Make your case. You don't have to rally an emotional crowd behind you by conjuring images that have Absolutely nothing to do with the thing. All you've done is steal from that one, cheapen that one, and lie about that one. So you've created it's, – it's disgusting. It's evil in my mind. It's, it's, it's wrong on every level. But a lot of people were uh, attempting to explain to me what becoming awake 
is. So to me, this woke culture and the cancellation, yes, it's the educated elites that are doing it mostly. People who are not necessarily educated but do feel victimized and oppressed or think they are victimized and oppressed jump on that bandwagon. And to me, it's a, it's a societal mental illness in a sense because it's a consensus. I mean it as mental illness. I'm not, I'm not yes. trying to be... I'm not joking about it or cheapening that either. I do see it as a genuine societal mental sickness. And it's because it's a consensus consciousness of, of this, this movement of, of a very low, and it requires a low self-esteem because people with a higher self-esteem who can begin to sit in their backbones and trust themselves and look at the thing and go, mm, this doesn't feel right or, mm, is this true? Let me think about this. It requires a higher self-esteem. Mm. So you've got all these people who show their bottoms on social media. You've got all these people who are highly educated and are convinced that the world is going to, we're all going to burn to death in eight years or whatever it is. They are frantic and it is some sort of a, like a, like a child having a fit for a decade. <laughs> That's what we're seeing. Yeah. There is something that has to crack in the self-worth, the self-esteem of human beings in society. Not because I, th I don't think any of the people in this movement have any inkling of how condescending it is to say the things that they're saying. You don't have the ability to do the thing that that you should be doing, so I'm going to help you do it. Mm -hmm. That um, bigotry, that low expectations of other race groups around you um, I remember sitting in a, a restaurant with a group of people and I referred to someone as an a-hole mm. and um, just the waiter because he was extremely rude. And somebody said to me, you can't say that about him. He's black. And I was like, I didn't even notice. All I saw was asshole. I didn't see black. I just saw somebody who was being quite rude. Like why, you know, does he not want a tip? So, and, and I said, is there something wrong with him? Is he, is he stupid? Does he not know how to behave in public because of his race? Like, what are you saying? Like, I'm the one that didn't see his race at all until you mentioned it. So they, they don't quite see the unimaginable irony of the situation, but that wokeness is societal sickness. It's, it is self-esteem related. In so, my mind. so in that context, okay, wokeness being a societal, um, where did it, you know, because if you look at the, the 80s, um, and, and, and to an extent, the 90s, even the 2000s, this was never a fixture of campus discussion. This was never what we see in what you describe today as intersectionalism, which are these competing grievances. Um, they were never in, on campus. Um, they were fringe ideas and maybe someone in the humanities department had such a grudge against capitalism or men or uh, felt that, that, that um, for whatever reason that they that the scales are, are balanced in favor of a certain profile and the game is rigged. Um, but this is what has come is that that campus thinking has slowly uh, migrated into um, the media and, and no one is immune. No, 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 I, I, you know, independent thinkers aside and independent media aside, the entire corporate media bubble has been, um, infiltrated by, by that. 
100%. And the media is a reflection of society. Yes. I mean, we they'll, get, they'll have more support if they are that woke person. <laughs> you yeah. know, if they work, they have more support. They've got more to read because it's more sensationalized. But I think, so you said you have like women's liberation and feminism. I mean, the real feminism, what it was, not what it is yeah. now, what it was supposed to be then, you know, women, you know, wanting, I don't want to iron your clothes. I want to go work and, you know, I want to vote. I want to, why shouldn't I vote? Like those things, you know, those movements have a real purpose and good mm-hmm. people and, you know, the, the right ideas. Yeah. But again, I think if, if somebody moving that, that movement forward, let's say I started the women's rights movement, I make it my life's purpose. It's my entire being. And I don't even see myself as a human being separate from that. Who's just some, who's just a human, a piece of a life. I am that movement. Again, to me, it's a self-esteem thing and a worthiness thing. Because let's say I move the movement forward and I make sh- it, it happens and now women can vote and women can work and women can do whatever they want. And then I'm left with, okay, well, now what? I think there is some sense that helps that movement <laughs> drive forward when people have nothing left. It's why the Democrats managed to do what they're doing. It's why the ANC manages and the EFF, they're fighting between themselves. But the, it's why the radical left does what it does. It has to because it only exists because there was a victimhood for it to fix in the first place. So once you fix the thing, they're left with nothing. So every single thing, somebody winks at you, it's sexual harassment. Because otherwise, what else am I going to say with my with my movement <laughs> to yeah, keep yeah, myself yeah. important? It, it, not just important, employed, maybe paid. So many NGOs and and feeding schemes just fail and fail and fail and fail because they are based on giving down to somebody. Mm. It never works in the long run. Mm. We're not saying let people starve. We're saying that if you're feeding the same country for three decades, it, can <laughs> something's wrong. Can, Yes, can you putting a billion euros there and maybe do something else that lifts people? Yeah. I know somebody who works with these organizations, so I'm not going to mention any names in a kind where where they are feeding and and she clashes with them all the time because she's doing business development. And to her, she's very confused. She's trying to lift this person's business and lift that person's business and trying to have people create their own income. But after years, the the realization that these organizations, it doesn't fit. Mm. But I don't think it's necessarily conscious. People come there thinking they're doing a good thing. We're going to feed the poor people and take a selfie. But but the second she manages (laughs) to do what she's doing, while she was supposed to be working with them. But the second she manages to do what she's doing in her business, the business development, they don't have purpose anymore. Mm. They're nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need you to feed us anymore. Mm-hmm. So sort of like a parent not wanting to let go of their child. So it's, it's, there is again, and I, I come back to it again, because I really do believe that this is a big part of what's at the basis here is self-respect, self-esteem, the ability to decipher what's going on, responsibility, ability mm. to respond to what's going on around you, ability to have a conversation, ability to look someone in the eye and go, oh, wow, I'm surprised you say that. What do you mean? Mm. You know, instead of what? Mm. What do you mean Hillary belongs in jail? How could you say such a thing? I'll go, okay, well, if you stop screaming at me, I'll tell you a few things 
as to, to why we think that, you yeah. know, so it was, there isn't an ability to just be with another. Mm. You know, and I think also, you know, you mentioned feminism there, which is an important point because actual feminism is completely not what the media, the uh, contemporary media representation of it is. It's completely not. Real feminists are people like Valerie Solanas who try to murder Andy Warhol. She would have fucking blown all of these people up. She would have, you know, these, this, uh, they've tried to cancel Jermaine Greer. They've tried to do it with uh, Julie Bindle in the UK with, with, um, uh, you know, these were, people that were actually leading the and it's 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 like calling the media left uh, the media is not left it's it, it's something else feminism today and the media representation is not left it's not it's not feminism it's it's something else and um, i wanted to ask you about you you've got a, a working relationship with america you feature on american um uh, radio shows you do a podcast what is your take what do you make of the Biden administration's relationship with the media? The media has become the most dangerous propaganda machine of all time, to be frank. I, it's, I don't see it as the media. I don't see it as the media. For, for quite a long time now, I struggle to see it as journalists or journalism. It's, it's not just telling the story. It is just a propaganda machine. Um, it's fascinating, and I'm sure we'll see a lot of interesting things come out as to how this is so and how this happened. I do think that the concept of the slow war, we must get rid of Trump at all costs. Mm. Um, that slow war is at play in the whole of society, including the media. Aside from the conversations of, you know, we'll see who's funding what, and, and I'm sure we'll see interesting things coming out of, of that, which... Uh, you know, we don't know yet, I suppose, but there is definitely, it's, it's so stark and so obvious. It's almost too absurd to even look at the, the way that he's being described in press conferences where he's incoherent. Mm. I think it's, I actually think it's elderly abuse. It's cruel. Abuse. It's cruel. It's, it's, it's very cruel. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, whatever Kamala picks up the, but he's the president. He's the, he's the president of the United States of America and cannot answer a question. Nothing makes sense in any of the, any of the stuff on the website, the racial equity, nothing, nothing makes sense. There are no answers to any questions. You see some journalists now here and they're asking him questions again and again in press conferences and they never get answered. And, yeah. and he's still, despite that, he is still reported favorably. Mm. If Trump had said something that didn't answer a question or if he trailed off into nowhere, the whole world would have exploded. Yeah. It, yeah. And that, that for me is, it's unbelievable. It's, it's why there is, I mean, people subscribe to, you know, the daily wires and whoever else is, is doing analysis. I think people are interested in analysis, not straight news stories, because they can mm. see what's happening. Mm. And they and people know they're being lied to. You know you're being lied to when you are bored or confused. Mm. People are both. They are looking for other ways to get the news. So so I do I see the mainstream media in the United States as a as a propaganda machine for the administration. It's a democrat machine. Um, they quickly accuse, okay, but Fox is, is pro-Trump. It's, it's like, uh, uh, Fox is quite openly that, that the, it, there isn't a lie about what they are. 
And sometimes they go overboard over the line of journalistic integrity, sure. But it is not, to me, it feels more reactionary to the rest that is happening. So the relationship, propaganda machine. Mm. So, you know, I, I something I noticed the other day, and it's actually really helpful because um, you saw on the weekend that um, hideous Congresswoman Maxine Waters goes to Minnesota and um, starts aggravating a crowd who don't need any more aggravation. Um, and it's, it's blatantly obvious from the uh, footage of what she was saying verbatim. Okay. You can, you can look and see her entire address to the crowd was inflammatory and it was designed to provoke. Okay. So three days later on the eve of Derek Chauvin's verdict in Minnesota, uh, the PBS White House correspondent gets up and asks that idiot Jen Psaki. She says, uh, "What? Why don't you stick up for Maxine Walters when she so clearly did not say those things?" And we know that she said those things because they are reported. Okay, but what this PBS correspondent called Yamichi, someone or other, okay, what she's doing is basically nailing her colours to the mask of the Democrats and sort of revealing herself. And she's going, actually, this is me. And I personally, I think that that's really helpful because we no longer are under the illusion that these people are here to provide unbiased analysis and unbiased reporting. And here to, 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 to frame objective truths and deliver them. So I personally thought, well done. Thank you for coming out because I'll never read you again. I'll never ever go near PBS, anything that it does because you're full of shit, basically. But thank you for doing that because I'll, I'll never be under the illusion that you're anything but, you know? Yes. I'd rather have it be honest. Don't gaslight me. Just yeah, let me. Exactly. <laughs> Just let me know. Immediately, so I know what I'm dealing with. Look, she's been in uh, Maxine. Uh, on that note, she's been inflammatory for years now. Yeah, yes, she's yes. she's, she's so worse than Pelosi. Yeah. Um, she was part of what I believe is is, is how come um, just not even politicians, just somebody, just a Trump supporter, yeah, be you know attacked in a restaurant and whatever. She said, find them in their restaurants. Don't let them you know, be in our society. Mm. How is that allowable? So that, that actually brings me to this. The, the free speech argument is what everyone keeps throwing back mm. about, you know, the, the, I've been censored, you know, I can't uh, boost posts or whatnot. Um, on Facebook, on Twitter, I can't do any of that, but I can post, but no one can see it. Unless I tag everybody or get somebody else to boost it. So, so, and I actually had a Facebook humanoid come back to me. I never knew they had humans working there, but I had a human come back to me when I, for the hundredth time said, I don't know what I did. Please uh, lift the ban. And uh, a human said, Sharon, we can't lift the ban because you've broken the rules too many times. And here's a book for you to read. What? White Fragility by Robin DeAngelo. (laughs) So it was a book about ethics. Uh, it's Facebook's. It's to do with Facebook the, the, is sending. Oh, Jesus Christ! Uh, it was, it was no. Facebook community standards, but it was about community standards and and how to ethically keep a safe space. So I I felt like, are you trying to teach me how to keep a safe? They said we need to keep a safe space for everybody. Now, safe spaces is a huge problem because, again, we don't have a stake in the ground Mm. for what is safe. 
we don't have a stake in the ground for what is truth. This notion of my truth, your truth, her truth is bullshit. It's what is the truth? Mm. What is the truth? What is safe? What is kind? It is kinder for me to tell you the truth. I don't have to Mm. be ugly to you. I can be respectful because we're humans, but it's, it's the truth is, is important above kindness for sure. But that free speech idea that keeps being thrown back at me, but Sharon, what about free speech? Free speech above all else. Now, I don't actually agree with that. Yes, we have to have free speech about all, above all else. But again, the mistake that America and other free nations have made is that when you are given full freedom, everyone will become good people. That is not true. Uh-uh. That people will take advantage of that. So, of course, there's a boundary to free speech. But it's not, it should never be mandated by law, but it's societally, we know, we know what is right and wrong. We should, we must come back to what is right, fundamentally right and wrong. The Uh same way that police, police the law, our ethics, genuine ethics, Uh put a boundary on what is acceptable free speech. What Maxine Waters has done is not acceptable. She has free speech. And and sunlight, yes, it's a great disinfectant, as everyone keeps saying, but it brings us to the sunlight on her. And and what's the and now what? Mm. We've put the sunlight on her because there's free speech and she's spoken a despicable way that definitely I would say um definitely had an effect on the jury. There are ramblings of it maybe being overturned. We'll see what's gonna come because the jury are people. And it's it's there is a boundary on free speech because but but we've forgotten what to do with it. Mm, free society. Yeah. We we shine the light on the evil. Evil comes to light, and everyone says, okay, but it's a free speech. I also want free speech. But what's the purpose then if we're allowing all the evil people to say whatever they want? What are we going to do with it? Yeah. As a society, it shouldn't be policed ever. But something has to happen. <laughs> there has to be accountability. Of course. Real accountability. Um, I, and I, just to your point on people, you know, groups taking advantage of things, um, it, it, everyone would, and it's human, it's instinctive. And so when you talk about Twitter being a, a left wing, um, uh, organization inherently, um, uh, towards the left, or, or no, because it's like me, inherently woke, inherently woke, um, you see wokists taking advantage of the, uh, favorable structures that they have in place and anyone else is being, it's like anything. And we, and we both agree, I'm sure that, that in, in, in any circumstance, I mean, um, you know, if you are given favorable, uh, the favorable framework, um, you take advantage of that. Um, I wanted to, to finish Sharon by a question on, um, anti-Semitism, which I know is very close to your heart and that you've done a lot of good work in. And, you know, I, kind of have been um, uh, a little bit thundered for coverage that was adverse to Jeremy Corbyn. I did not, I didn't, didn't not like Jeremy Corbyn. I think that he's probably fine and he's probably just one of these North London professionals. He comes from a very privileged background, by the way. Jeremy Corbyn did not grow up wearing those shitty clothes that he currently wears. I can assure you, he grew up in a nice farmhouse somewhere in the country and it was very middle class and um, he's he's um but i got pretty funded because i was i went out on a bit of a limb and to say that he was um the wrong person to be in that position because you can't put a stupid person in that position and i don't want to excuse him from acts that are 
brazenly hostile to Jewish people. Um, but I think a lot of the time is that he actually didn't um, possess the mental faculty to be able to distinguish right from wrong, uh, the importance of um, of fairness and, um, you know, a Labour Party strategy. And this is an open secret, is that they would sacrifice the Jewish vote for the numbers in the Muslim vote. That's what that's that, that's blatantly obvious. Um in South Africa, in, and, and coming back to South African media, um, it is indisputable that our media landscape is informed by what happens in the UK and so on. I have seen absolutely no pushback on Jeremy Corbyn. Nobody at News 24, at the Mail and Guardian, even at the, the, uh, the, the title Sunday Times or so on, ever sat down and went, actually, there's a problem there and this is going to come to South Africa, and we are going to have people taking advantage of the prevailing sentiment. Did you ever see anyone standing up in the Corbyn era and under the, the sort of crisis of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party and what it did to Britain? Did you ever see anyone in South Africa going, actually, there's shit coming down the, the, the tunnel? Not really. Only within the, within the Jewish community. Yes. Within various, um, you know, there, there are a few independents and there are a few voices, but by no means was it, did it hit the radar of South Africa? I wouldn't be surprised if many South Africans didn't even know who he was. Um, whereas if, look, remember, Jewish people are 0.01% of the population here, but, um, there is a lot about Israel or Jewish people and Zionism in the media and it's always negative. Um, Without fail. So it's, it's safe for some voices that, you know. Howard Feldman gets like a, a, a column yeah. every occasionally to, to, yeah. but I mean, as much as I respect him, um, and, and I like, I do like some of his writing. He's not nearly as forthright enough as, as, as I think he should be in, in confronting BDS. I think as a, as an identity and as, as, a, as someone who is, um, a representative of, of, of a number of voices, I think he does a good job. But in terms of confronting BDS, I don't see anyone in South African media doing nearly enough to say, actually, you guys are full of shit. You guys need to be, you guys need to run your fucking necks in, you know? That's, there's a big problem there for all of us, including for Howard, that um, we do, like I would have, it's, it's part of why we started this, started Newsy, because a lot of us, like I would write in a response to something that Africa for Palestine or BDS South Africa or, you know, the, all their co- cohorts would be writing. And um, even people in government, NC Youth League, they, they've had some very scary things to say about the community here being mm. Zionist. Um, there was even a time when they wanted us to not have Israeli passports, people to have dual citizenships. Um, they don't want anyone going to serve in the IDF and then coming back to South Africa. Like the Hamas has an office here, thanks to the ANC, not oh. Palestinian Authority. Hamas has, has an office. So, so there's, we write in and either they completely ignore us or they stick you in a tiny thing in the letter section just to appease. Um, my article recently in response to a heinous article by the ANC Youth League member of, uh, I won't mention, <laughs> a, a terrible article I responded to. Um, where did, sorry, I, where did it, where did it appear? Which, 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 um, in the Cape Argus? IOL, yeah. So it went online. It was, it was shared a gazillion times and I responded to it and every, every single thing I put links, I put 
And so I said, let's talk. I was, I was fully willing to have a, a full conversation about it. Um, all they did was ask me for my physical address. Um, the Austrian yes, saying it's standard. It is, it's sort of standard in a letter section to say your suburb, but it's, they said, what's your physical address? Um, I gave a false address. <laughs> and then they put, um, put it only in print in a very small section without the links, without mm. the pictures, without any explanation. Yeah. So they put my face and a tiny little excerpt of, so, so we do have a serious problem with, when it comes to the, the narrative around, um, anything Palestinian related, anything. We, we are ignored. It's, it's very hard to get it into the media. Very, very hard. Say for Daily Friend, Institute of Race Relations, think mm. tanks, you know, things like that. But in mainstream media, you'll barely see anything. Um, here and there, there are responses to letters that are printed, mm. but it's different. To somebody, somebody writing in a letter and a journalist or an, a political analyst such as myself, it, it's a different thing mm. to print a letter from someone from, you know, C point Cape Town. It's, yeah. it's a different thing. They don't allow the conversation. It's very tough to get it in there. So, so we barely saw Corbyn barely made a blip except for those in the know and the Jewish community. It barely made a blip. Because I, I think it's acceptable to be the way he spoke about Jewish people is, is, as far as mainstream is concerned, as far as society is concerned, it is acceptable to talk about Jews in such a way. It's it's not seen. Even the EFF has had some things to say about the Jews, um, mm. which is very concerning. So it's it's and it uh, the, the professor that recently taught in the UCT that Hitler did nothing wrong. <laughs> he's been in quite a few papers because I think that statement is too extreme to ignore. But if this was about Israelis putting Palestinians in concentration camps, that they probably wouldn't have flinched, is my sense of it. Okay, this is a, a question that, that I think is important because um, one of the my least favorite profiles in media in South Africa is a guy called Chris Roper who um, – uh, wrote about Helen Zilli being more of a threat to South Africa than Julius Malema. He was formerly the editor of uh, Mail and Guardian, probably why it finds itself what's minus 60% readership now. It's a pile of shit. The whole thing is just shocking. This new virtue signaling editor called Sifo Kings. It's, but, but Roper, um, I think it was last week, wrote on that UCT dude and he said he didn't do anything wrong. He said that he'd been completely taken out of context and that there'd been absolutely nothing. He, he was asking questions and it was all very reasonable. Do you have a, uh, I mean, is that, is that, what happened? Because I, I followed the reports, um, and, uh, it, you know, it, it very clearly marked toward a substantial allegation of anti-Semitism, but then in, 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 in one of South Africa's major newspapers that I used to write for Business Day, Chris Roper comes and said, no, everything's fine. The guy didn't do anything wrong. What, what, how, what actually happened? So how, how it's possible for anybody to say that there's nothing wrong with that beyond us? Again, the good people are confused and we can't ignore it because we cannot look at that and say he did nothing wrong. If this was a discussion genuinely about 
what, how Hitler rose to power and what kind of pull he had with people. That's a different story. This is not what that was. We all know that. People heard it. People were in the lecture. It's very clear. If you look at that professor's, um, you know, you can see some of his lectures online. You will be able to see the, the kind of, you know, the so various ANC Youth League, if, if student councils and whatnot, they do bring him as a guest often. Ah, and there's a okay. revolutionary sort of rah-rah about taking back South Africa. So it's, it's always hand in hand. Mm. So, so from when, when they start, what happens, I think, is that, um, woke people, are very often scared people who are pandering to the threat. I can't say that necessarily about this reporter specifically, but, but there is something very strange in the mentality of, of pandering to the very people that would happily kill you. Mm. <laughs> like there is that. Maybe that is, yeah. Instinct. There's that mentality. I think it's, I think it's part of the psychosis. I'm going to call it mm. quite openly. Of, of how come, like you get your Andrew Feinstein, the, the people who mm. are Jewish, who radically support the, the anti-Semitism, anti-Zion, anti-Israel, when people don't know what the word Zionism even means. That's another problem in South Africa, why this comes up a lot. Mm. They don't know what Zionism is very, very simply the right of the Jewish people to self, self-actualization, self, you know, live in their land and just be themselves. Yeah. As Jews. Yeah. That's, that's what it is to live in Zion. Um, it has nothing to do with not living with anyone else. In fact, Jewish people in Israel live with everybody else. It's, yeah. if you were Jewish in Palestinian territories, you're in serious danger if you yeah. are, you know, so, so there isn't an understanding of it. It's fully equated, um, successfully by the left because they took advantage, the radicalized left, the evil people took advantage of free speech mm. and turned Zionism into a lie of, of anti-Semitism. I mean, of, of apartheid. Mm. They equated Zionism with some evil supremacy, mm. which is entirely untrue. So there is something wrong when people start pandering to the threat. There's, I think there's a fear thing attached to that. And it's the wokeness. Yeah. He gets to, he gets to have people talk about him now. You just gave him airtime. Yeah, stupidly. Of course we need to talk about it, but he, someone says At least we didn't mention his name. People are going to talk about it, (laughs) right? People will talk about it, yeah. At least we didn't mention his name. You know, I think that that's very true, what you've said. I mean, uh, you know, in the coverage, uh, I remember when these BLF guys went to Peter Bruce's house in Parkview and and threatened him, and then they've been threatening Adrian Basson and Ferial Hafiji. And maybe there is a, there is a case to to forgive such shitty reporting on the idea that these people are fundamentally scared. They don't they 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 are frightened to report on the truth because um, they they've been bullied into um, and 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 you know I could argue now that. The editorial tone of News 24 on a Monday morning is itself very bullying, but maybe that's 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 one of the reasons why why we're in this position. But um, Sharon, thank you so so much. What a fascinating talk, and lovely to see you again. And all the very best for newsy.co.za. And I encourage everyone to visit that and subscribe, follow you on Twitter, and um, good luck for all your American stuff. And I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me. Have a great, great pleasure. Thanks.